Welcome back to the Wachusett Wire, the podcast about the history, people, and stories of Wachusett Mountain Ski Area. I'm your host, Chris Stimson. Today, my guest is Nick Kraus. Nick is a World Cup-level ski racer who got his start right here at Wachusett. How are you doing today, Nick? Good to have you on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, doing pretty good. Um, just enjoying the springtime out here in Vermont, uh, finishing up some classes at Dartmouth College and uh, finally going to graduate in about a month or so. That's great. I mean, I can imagine your uh, your ski racing career kind of slowed down the college thing. Is that right? Yes. So, um, yeah, I guess my, you know, where I started ski racing, uh, I did I did two years at um, Ski Ward, which was right next to my uh, hometown in Northborough, Massachusetts. Uh, it was uh, Ski Ward based in Shrewsbury. And, mm-hmm. uh, after two years there and pretty much going to do NASTAR at Wachusett every single weekend, I decided to, uh, switch over to the Wachusett mountain race team. Um, and that is where, you know, I think I really, you know, found my love for having fun on the mountain in general. And the, the ski program at Wachusett was, you know, just in, you know, the most incredible thing to, you know, be able to wake up at seven o'clock in Northboro, have my parents drive me to the hills, get, be on the mountain by eight and not clicking out of my, my skis or taking off my ski boots until 8 p.m. at night. And I don't think there's many places in the country where you can do that. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty unique in that sense. And, and we love to hear that. Um, so you ju- you jumped into the Wachusett Mountain Race team. Uh, at what what age were you? So I think I was probably eleven or eleven years old, maybe twelve years old, and I uh, skied at Wachusett until my freshman year in high school. Yeah, so I was on the Wachusett Mountain Race team for three or four years, and um, then was essentially recruited to Stratton Mountain School from there, and. Um, then did four years at, at Stratton, where I guess things uh, definitely got, a, you know, a bit more serious than at Wachusett. You know, Wachusett is where I learned to, you know, just love the sport of skiing in general. Uh, and, you know, I, I loved going fast around some gates and turned out I was pretty good at it. So then I, I moved on to Stratton Mountain School to, you know, get on snow pretty much every single day um for uh during the week so we would train in the mornings and then go to school in the afternoons which was pretty unique yeah that's awesome um and yeah i remember um when i i did a little bit of time on the watch race team as well before uh switching over to the park but i remember we did some competitions but it wasn't all it wasn't all that serious and i can imagine that the SMS program was a little bit more um, competitive. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a little more competitive. You had, you know, at Wachusett, you have a large array of, you know, d- different people from different backgrounds who are looking to get totally different things out of ski racing. Like there's, you know, mm-hmm. the kids who want to uh, train three times a week 
during the week and then plus going Saturday and Sunday. So you're on the mountain five days a week. And then there's, you know, kids who are just looking to have fun on the weekends who essentially just show up on Saturday and Sunday mornings, go around some gates and have fun with it. So at Wachusett, you get, you know, a very broad range of athletes, which I think is great because, you know, I had my, you know, my weekday friends who I would train with Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then all of a sudden these new faces come in on the weekends and I get to skew with new people on the weekends, which was awesome too. And and then you also had at Wachusett, it was, you know, you had three or four races through the year. I, I'm, I'm sure the whole you know, system has changed a bit, but maybe not since I've been there. Uh, it was like three or four like serious races where, you know, you, they, they mattered. They, you had to do well enough so you could qualify to go to the state championship or go on to, you know, the Eastern championship. And, but they also had these fun races, you know, and I, I actually think they were called fun races looking back. And, um, you, you literally just be racing against Wachusett people. And yeah, I remember we, they used to have a thing called the, called the world cup where everyone would get like assigned to a different like country and your team would be like right. representing that country. And we'd all yeah. just kind of goof around that way. And it was a lot of fun. It just was a good way to keep people engaged with racing. I think. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, funny enough, I think they were called, yeah, it's funny you brought up the World Cup thing, because I think they were called fun races, and mm-hmm. then me and a few of my friends, you were probably involved in this, we would always try to, because they they didn't really matter for anything other than having fun, so we were like, all right, which, which gates are we going to go around backwards? And we, like, <laughs> had to figure out which, you know, two or three gates, we all agreed to go backwards on and, you know, rightfully so our coaches were like, come on guys, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the next year they, they started calling them world cup. So we would take them more seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Just part of the, uh, this, the fun environment and learning how to ski race. And I also think that exactly the ski racing program just made people better skiers in general. You just learn all that edge control and, and no matter what you wanted to do with skiing, Racing was a good starting point, um, especially if you were a younger skier who was developing. I I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, a lot of the biggest park skiers now and the the best backcountry skiers who are, you know, out there hiking these crazy peaks and uh, going down, you know, crazy lines in Alaska and all over the world, they all got their, you know, base fundamentals from being in race programs from when they were younger. And that is something that's consistent through every single discipline of skiing, whether yeah, it's, you continue with racing or move on to park or you go and ski rails or, you know, out in the backcountry. And that's like every single person I've met who has gone on to compete at high levels and all those different disciplines all got their basic fundamentals from being a, a race program from when they were younger. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's definitely really cool to hear that. And, and I agree completely. I mean, just like you see the people out there that they clearly know what they're doing on their skis and you can tell they have a race background. 
Um, so walk me through the transition. So you were on Watch Who's Race team all the way through, I don't know, um, junior high, and then graduated, went up to Vermont for SMS. So what was that transition like, um, jumping into a little bit of a higher level? Yeah, so I think I, you know, at first, you know, on paper, I got recruited to uh, Stratton Mountain School after doing just a week up there, I think in eighth grade. And then I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, we get to ski every morning from eight to noon and then go to classes from one to five thirty, six o'clock at night. And that was just, you know, it sounded like a dream to me. Like that's, that's what I wanted to do every <laughs> single day. So I was like, yeah, mom, dad, what, like, can you send me to school? And, you know, they made it work financially somehow. And, um, they shipped me off freshman year. I went up to Stratton and the competition and, you know, the prep that went into every single day of skiing for, you know, workouts, tuning skis, um, you know, getting eight runs every single morning was a big wake up call. And I kind of took my, you know, my having fun first mentality from Wachusa into that. And that is what, you know, I was kind of like, I was definitely in over my head at first. I was not one of the fastest guys. I was, you know, middle of the pack. And I took that fun mentality I had from Wachusett right into Stratton. And, and I think that's what, you know, kept my head in the game and, you know, kept me you know, enjoying the sport as long as I possibly could. And, you know, some people go into it, you know, with a much different attitude, like, oh, this is, you know, my life. I have to, you know, put all my energy into ski racing and, and nothing else. And, I think maybe that works for some people, but I knew that isn't what I wanted to do. So up at right, Stratton, right. I spent a lot of time, you know, getting into the park on the weekends and Stratton had a skate park. So I was trying to get into the skate park and on the trampolines as much as possible, you know, kind of taking <laughs> all the the different things Stratton had to offer and just tried to have fun through my four years. I mean, that's another big thing to think about is like we're still kids like you can't just right bang your head against the wall and like go in to Stratton thinking you know oh I'm gonna go straight to the Olympics from here like that's not you know something that I even had in mind when I was at Stratton I was just trying to have fun and you know ha get good grades and then hopefully ski on a, a college team and so that transition from Wachusett to Stratton was kind of easy for me because I knew I was just trying to have fun and get a good education up there. And then by junior, senior year, I started to, you know, be ranked higher up in the East Coast. And then by senior year, I was one of the top, uh, top ranked high schoolers in the country and had an incredible senior year at Stratton and, you know, made the U S ski team by uh, the end of senior spring. 
Wow, that must that must have been extremely exciting. How did that call go down when the uh, the U.S. ski team gives you a, gives you a ring? Yeah, that was that was funny. I think I I kind of knew. Looking back, I like kind of knew I was close to making the criteria. You know, you have to be a certain world rank in two different events. And by the end of my senior year, I kind of thought I was close, but you know, didn't want to you know put all my focus into just making the U.S. ski team. I still wanted to, you know, enjoy my senior year with all my friends, all my best friends from the past four years. So I don't even, I don't think my coaches even told me. They were just like, yeah, keep, you know, keep grinding, keep doing your thing. And all of a sudden I'm at one of the last series of the year. We're out in Mission Ridge, Washington. And the development coach development team coach comes up to me and he's like, Hey, uh, you Nick Krause? I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, Hey, so, uh, looks like you made the USD team criteria. We start at the end of May, uh, enjoy the next two months and look forward to working with you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and like then that, he, huh? and he walks away, just walks oh away, gives me a fist bump and walks away. And I'm like, Oh my God. That's so funny. And I just like stood there for like five, 10 minutes. <laughs> and didn't even didn't say anything to uh any of my teammates or my coach just kind of like sat there for the rest of the day it was a i think it was a prep day for the the race the next day and i and then all of a sudden at dinner my coach comes up to me he's like hey i heard you had a little talk with the development team coach and i was like oh yeah he's like you weren't gonna tell me man <laughs> i was like well I, i'm just trying to soak this in like I'm still I was, processing I, it. Last year, I, I've just been trying to, you know, make it onto a Division One team, which is also mm-hmm. very difficult to do. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here with a U.S. ski team offer, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so when you got that offer, did you have to kind of make a choice between competing on a college team and or pursuing the U.S. development team, or was that just kind of an obvious decision? Um. Yeah, yes and no. I it's for to to compete on a division 1 college team, many many athletes will take 1 to 2 years off of school completely. Mm-hmm. Even if they have an offer from a division 1 team, they will they call it uh, a postgrad year or a gap year and mm-hmm. they essentially just train and race as they would, you know, any other year, but they put all of their energy into just ski racing and kind of put academics on the side for a couple of years. So mm-hmm. going into the D team, that was kind of my idea. I was like, all right, like all my friends from high school are taking a postgraduate year. I might as well just see what I can do on the development team for two years. And well, the development team for one year, because it's only a one year offer. And then uh, see where it goes. So that's what I did. I did one year on the development team, had a pretty good year, but, um, you know, definitely a struggle moving from, uh, you know, Eastern fifth level races and Western fifth level races up to, you know, the North American cup level. That's Mm -hmm. another big step that I took my first development team year and performed well at some, but not every race for sure. And I think, you know, they saw, the team saw a little, 
uh, more potential, the potential I had. And so they gave me another year on the development team. Uh, took that as well as a bunch of my friends continued to take post-grad years. Did my second development team year and then had uh, a breakout year then. So mm-hmm. my sec- So after my second development team year, I was moved up to the C team and right. kind of pushed off uh, going to Dartmouth another year. So they essentially mm-hmm. let you have three years. And so you applied before and and had been accepted, and then you just decided to defer it a few years. Exactly. Yeah. So they okay. you apply during your senior year of high school, mm-hmm. um, or even the year after for some people, and they they let you defer, uh, you know, your starting date for two to three years if you need it, and that's what I did for the third year and. Unfortunately, tore my ACL at the end of that third year when I was on the the C team, and so I knew I had to you know take some time off snow and you know get my body right. So I said, "Hey, mm-hmm. let's let's start Dartmouth." And so I yeah, started uh, my education at Dartmouth while I was rehabbing for my first ACL, and that was another big transition, you know life transition going from ski racing nonstop for three years back into uh, a college setting where I hadn't done any schoolwork for three years. So that was another wake up call. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right back to the books, huh? Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of ski racers and just skiers in general experience that. I mean, I myself tore my ACL on a park jump a few years ago. So what does it take to kind of come back from that and be competitive again? Yeah, it's it's a lot, man. Um, You know, like you said, I think, you know, most, maybe not most, but I'd say around half of high-level skiing competitors, you know, whether that's in racing, freestyle, moguls, uh, big mountain, you know, they go, everyone, you know, has some sort of injury. It's a pretty, you know, ruthless sport. And um, it takes a lot to come back to, to get to the level you were at from before your injury. So from that first ACL, it took me, you know, I think it was seven or eight months to get back on snow. And then Mm -hmm. I was still having knee pain and couldn't really compete at the level I was at. So I go back to the doctor and it turned out I still had a torn meniscus. So Mm -hmm. I had to go back in. Uh, They, they clipped a little more of the meniscus out, got back on snow like two months after that. And then I was back firing and back training with the team, but that was, that was basically a full year of rehab, learning what my, what, uh, worked for my body, you know, the different exercises and, you know, different, you know, self, self treatment, like the little, the little things are what, what matter the most when coming back from an injury, like every, everyone's different. Some exercises work for some, some don't. And, you know, that's that's something I had to deal with my entire – after that first ACL, you know, coming back from injury was something I had to deal with almost every single year because after that, it was – you know, they started to pile up. I had to 
get um, hip labrum surgery. I had to get four different surgeries to fix a shattered leg. And then the most recent one was a, a big ACL reconstruction, meniscus root repair, and a, a, a microfracture procedure to fix some cartilage damage. So, I mean, it, it really started to, right. to pile on. And you, it, it takes a lot to come back from those injuries. Um, but on one hand, it gets, you know, mentally it gets a little more difficult. You're like, all right, when is this going to end? <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting into the gym and learning, you know, the ropes of what it takes to get back on snow was became easier for me. So now I just got used to it. Right, right. And despite all of that, you still um... – you would still go back to ski racing if you could, right? I mean, you don't like lose the love for the sport. Oh, one hundred percent. I I did not. I never lost the love for the sport. Um, I and I think part of that was that each year I got back from an injury, I would have the best year of my life. So <laughs> that kind of like motivated me. I was like, all right, like if I can keep coming back from this keep having fun and continue studying at Dartmouth with, you know, my, my off time from ski racing. Like I don't see any point sure. in stopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, so I kind of want to hear what, what, what do you consider like the peak of your ski racing career? Yeah. So it was, let's think back. I mean, not to say that maybe you haven't peaked yet. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely peaked because I I uh, finally decided to retire at the beginning of last year uh, from mm-hmm. ski racing. That, but that doesn't mean I, I, I still went out every single weekend this winter and right, got on right. snow to have fun. But so to take a step back here, in 2015, I had my first World Cup start mm-hmm. after getting uh, a couple – top fives in European cup. Mm-hmm. So the, the natural progression is to move from the North American cup. Once you start doing well there and start winning, you move up to the European cup. Once you are competitive at that level, they kind of push you up to the world cup and see what you can do. And so in 2015, I, or 2016, maybe I had my first, world cup super g start and you know once they threw me into that i was like wow this is like you cannot get adrenaline or you know the energy anywhere else in the world like i couldn't put a finger on like where else i could get that kind of energy and adrenaline so i was like all right this is something i want to strive towards and they kind of just us ski team will just throw someone into the world cup um just to get them experience and that's what my first world cup was was basically experience you know it's a (laughs) whole new level and um after that i took a step back went back to the noram circuit went back to the european cup circuit and tried to refine my skills and that next year i was basically i was winning the north american cup overall and doing well in the year uh, European Cup, and so the plan was 
to be full-time World Cup that next year. But um, a silly, silly crash uh, at the end of that year. Um, I completely compound fractured my leg, broke it in five different places, and was basically helicoptered off the mountain straight into the OR. And it's that that surgery took like 18 months to get back from. So that was a huge step, you know, step backwards. And I definitely thought about, you know, calling it quits after that. But I was like, oh, come on. Like, I was so close to the World Cup. It was right there. Like, it was right Mm -hmm. there for me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was like, no way I can go out on that. Like, that's, you know, I got to, you know, do the rehab thing again, get back out there and, uh, and essentially make it back to the World Cup for for myself. Like, that. that's not how I wanted to go out in the sport. So that's what I did. I went to school during my rehab for my leg. And then once I was back on snow, I was, you know, I was firing again. Started on the Noram circuit, won the GS overall. And in that year, I got to do, like, four or five World Cup GSs. And that was probably the the peak of my ski racing career. I was like all, winning the North American Cup circuit and on the World Cup, uh, getting experience for the next year because with that North American Cup uh, championship, you get World Cup start rights uh, the entire following year. So then on, I was like, all right, like, here we go. One more. Let's let's see what I can do on the World Cup next year. So I went through the whole summer prepping uh, to be full time World Cup, and this was the summer of what was this? Summer of 2019, and I was supposed to be yeah full time World Cup in the 19 2019-2020 season, and I did the first World Cup in Solden and had a pretty good run going and kind of lost, you know, lost uh, my edge halfway down that first big pitch. I don't know if you've ever seen video from Solden, but it's it's the real deal. It's like the longest, steepest uh, slope on the World Cup. And, yeah, I think I have seen that. Um, uh, I kind of, you know, just went out and – you know, it made me hungry to get back to training and get ready for the next one. That was in Beaver Creek, Colorado. Fly mm-hmm. out to Colorado to start training, and that's when I did my ACL for the second time. Um, right, basically at the beginning of the, the season, right before I was supposed to be full-time World Cup. And I think, you know, that injury in itself was kind of – it was totally heartbreaking because everything – you know, looked like it was going my way. I had, you know, a great ski set up with head. My boots were perfect. Um, I, I just had a lot of things, you know, that were kind of set up for me to do well in the World Cup that year. And it was basically all stripped away from me. And mm-hmm. I, and after that, it was kind of like, oof, all right, let's, 
let's take a step back here and think about, you know, big picture. I want to be able to ski like for the rest of my life. I want to be able to go for runs. My body's kind of deteriorating. And after that one, I kind of, I decided to, you know, call it quits and move on from the sport of, you know, uh, like very high level world cup ski racing. So after that, I had to go back to rehab to get my knee right. And that pretty much brings us up to, you know, here today, this mm-hmm. past winter, I just kind of, you know, cruised around Stratton and Wachusett and got out West to do some powder skiing. And that was the first time I really got to go out with my friends and my family and enjoy skiing for the first time in like eight years. So, I mean, yeah, I was gonna ask it you, is sad. So, so through this whole, through the whole career, did it ever feel like, like it was work or did you still like enjoy skiing the whole time? Oh, I, I, sometimes it felt like work, like mm-hmm. getting into the gym all summer and all fall, that kind of takes its toll on you. You're like, ah, oh, I just can't wait for ski season to come. Like I'm mm-hmm. done with the gym right now, <laughs> but right. uh Every day I would get out on the slopes and rip around gates. That was, you know, yeah, I guess some people would consider it work, but I thought it was so fun. I just loved mm-hmm. the grind of trying to get better every day and having fun with yeah, it. Just, like not many people can say their prof- their profession is, uh, you know, getting outside and going fast on two planks of wood. So I sure. I kind of always had that in mind and was like, uh, you know, this is pretty nice. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. consider this work. I consider this, you know, me just striving to reach some goals, hopefully make the Olympics mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, have fun with it. Yeah. Was that a big goal of yours um, to get to, was it um, Sochi or, or Pyongyang when, when you were coming up? Yeah, for sure. I think the the Sochi was probably Sochi was probably not uh you know a feasible goal. Uh I was still pretty young and um wasn't really that close to qualifying for Sochi, but the the 2018 Olympics was definitely something I had my eyes on and I think if I had you know, gone straight to the World Cup instead of uh, having to deal with my leg injury, I I think I probably could have had a a decent chance at making the 2018 Olympics. But unfortunately, I had to deal with all the rehab with my leg, and that Mm -hmm. one kind of, you know, got away from me as well. But, and then, you know, after that, I was like, all right, like, if I can get back into it in the next four years and stay healthy. Like 2022 is not that far away. I would still Mm -hmm. have been, you know, in my late twenties, which is when uh, most ski racers really hit their stride or hit their peak. So I had my, I said on 2022 and then the second ACL happened. And so the Olympic dream kind of, you know, slid away from me, unfortunately, but that was definitely in the back of my mind throughout my U.S. ski team career, for sure. Gotcha. 
Um, so what do you got coming up next season? So next season, um, I I actually think I'm going to be spending the entire, pretty much the whole year in the East Coast. I actually just got a job in New York. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, weekend tripping up to Wachusett and Stratton pretty much, you know, any chance I get. So <laughs> um, <laughs> really looking forward to the to continuing, uh, like, friends and family skiing out at the mountains I grew up, you know, ripping around. So I think, yeah, any chance I can get out of New York, I'm going to take it, go straight to watch you yeah. or stride. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you've come full circle from, uh, from watch to, uh, full-time ski racing world cup. And then, uh, back to the weekend warrior and, and watch you again. So that's, that's fun. It's so funny, man. It, it totally is full circle. And uh, I'm excited for it. I mean, that that's kind of like what I had in mind when I decided to call it quits. I was like, all right, now I can just, you know, go out and rip around the mountain, ski as long as I want, don't have to, you know, worry about getting in the gym every single day and, you know, don't have to deal with the stresses of uh, getting ready for the next day of training. So now I'm just out there with my mom, my dad, my sister, you know, friends I've convinced to get out there and you know it's yeah like you said it comes full circle and now i'm just having fun with it oh that's great so i think we'll call it there i mean i know you got to get to class but it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and it was always fun to uh to watch you on those world cup races with that watch you sit sticker on the front of your helmet but thanks so much for uh for coming on today nick thank you chris uh it's been a pleasure man uh i, I love talking about you know, growing up at Wachusett, you know, and, and making the next steps after that to the, to the U S ski team and then to the world cup. And, you know, I, mm -hmm. looking back, I don't think it would have been possible if I, you know, didn't make that next step to the Wachusett mountain, uh, race team. So, uh, thanks for having me and, uh, look forward to next winter, man. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you on the slopes. Sounds good, Chris. <laughs> Talk to you later. See you, Chris. Bye. That is it for Season 2, Episode 1. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow Wachusett Mountain on social media. Special thanks to Nick Krause for being on the show. We will be back again soon with episode two of the season. Until then, I'm Chris Stimson, and you've been listening to the Wachusett Wire.